Welcome to The Skill Ranch. This podcast is designed to equip entrepreneurs, professionals, and consultants with skills to impact tomorrow's work environment. Now here's your host, Bilal. Hi, this is Bilal Wasim and welcome to The Skill Ranch. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Travis. Dr. Travis is the founder of the Make Time Institute. He earned several degrees in family and social science to better understand the role of motivation and relationship in the goal achievement process. Dr. Perry is a sought-after international speaker and coach and has helped thousands achieve work-life balance and make time to achieve their business and personal goals. Hi, Travis, and welcome to the Skill Ranch podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on the episode. And how is everything going on for you? It's going well. It's a crazy time and it's a busy time, but, uh, you know, all things considered, it's, we're, we're having our, uh, actually some of the best business quarter we've ever had in the history of our company. So, I mean, head is high, uh, opt, very optimistic. I know there's challenges out there, but we're facing them. Nice. Could you please share a bit about your background with the audience? Yeah, I'll share a brief background. Um, essentially, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I set out uh, to really understand money and finances and I found a niche in financial services and I began building my own uh, company after spending some years as a financial advisor for a well-known company, Northwestern Mutual, and I enjoyed my experience there. But again, my entrepreneur bug was there. I know I wanted to get out and hang my own shingle. So I did. And while I did that, I realized that uh, time management was a very, very big component of not only helping my clients, but helping myself to uh, be be, uh, um, ready to um, help other people, if that makes sense. And because I was really struggling with uh, that work-life balance, I actually sought some training and help myself. And I went to coaches and, and I had trainings and, and uh, bought books. You, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem, I was trying to look into to the issue here and, and kind of and take the bull by the horns. Well, um, I, I imparted a lot of this knowledge to my clients and they were really enjoying it. And I found that there was a whole lot of, of uh, other issues when you start to talk about work-life balance and time management on top of achieving financial goals. And so I knew that there was more that I could offer people than just simply, you know, helping them with their financial goals. Now, financial advisors would say, we help with a lot of things. Of course we do. Of course we do. But that's kind of where it led me. It led me into more of life coaching. And I began to search out, you know, how could I be a life coach? How could I help other people? How could I help them with all these other issues? And that led me on a path back to academia Um, I did a master's in psychology and eventually a PhD in family relations and human development. I really, really, really wanted to understand human behavior, why people do what they do, what motivates them, how they achieve goals and, and how they do this in the family setting versus more of the business setting. Because as I was helping them with, you know, their finances and their time management, I found that a lot of it coincided with their values, their time, how they use this, and their relationships were a big, huge issue. Um, And so I wanted to really understand those pieces. And along the way, I developed um, a curriculum. I developed a theory behind uh, what I think really works to help people achieve their goals, and I tested it. Uh, This is kind of the difference between a lot of coaches out there is a lot of them are following other coaches, you know, innovations and simply trying to implement those things. And yeah, they might make tweaks and things, but I was able to actually take this and test it in an academic setting and have realized results, pre and post data and follow people for years to see how they do with things. And we found it to be the make time method to be extremely effective. And, and that's why Bilal, I'm, I'm writing this book, um, Achieving Balance. Um, and it's, it's really about the make time method, how you can use the method to achieve your business and your personal goals. So th- thanks for letting me kind of open that can of worms. I know there's a lot of other questions around that. 
but that's really why I know we're talking today is, is uh, you know, kind of understanding what is balance and, and productivity and time management and all these um, really important topics. So I, I appreciate you letting me share that. Well, I also appreciate you taking time out and I wish you all the best for the launch uh, of the book that is coming very soon. And we would be mentioning more details about Travis book at the end of the episode. So yes, Travis, thank you. J July 13th, but uh, yeah, we'll get more details at the end. Thanks, Bilal. Yep. Wait for that. July 13 is achieving balance that is coming out. And if you relate to current scenario, everybody wants to have a work-life balance and everybody thought that work-life balance means you're working from home. But during the last three months, everybody realized that that is not just what balance is. Is balance is much more than that. So based upon your research that you came up throughout the writing of this book, what are some of the myths of balance? Great question. So the biggest thing that I like to hit hard uh, in the book is number one, there is a myth of balance. In my mind, I think some people, as I've been interviewing them, as I've helped them over the last 13 years to find you know, and achieve work-life balance, they think sometimes that they have to do everything. You know, I look at life in 10 different areas. And if I had a juggling ball for all areas and I was trying to juggle all 10, it's likely that one is gonna fall once in a while. And if you're trying to keep them all up in the air at the same time, it's really difficult because if something falls and you go to pick it up, well, so do the other nine, right? Same thing with the idea of spinning plates. You've seen that image where you just got to keep all the plates spinning. Um, it, that is a, a total myth, a myth that you can do everything at the same time and have, you know, um, complete energy and focus in every area. It's just not true. So what everybody really desires is they want work-life balance based on what their definition is. And typically that has more to do with what they value. They want to spend more time doing the things that they value and less time doing the things that they don't value. So I really focus people in on value and where they want to spend their energy, where they want to spend their time. And once we get clear on that and they have clarity around what those values are and the direction is that they want to be going, balance is, is really already there. They just have to untap it. They just have to be able to see that, gee, I, Travis, I value these things and I, I don't value the, this as much. Fantastic. Then just move your energy, move your time management in that direction. Yes, like uh, what is balance for me and what is balance for you will be different based upon the current situations. And sometimes when we talk about balance, we think that we should achieve a perfect balance. Or rather than achieving perfection in the balance, should we think more about a new normal balance where we take into account few things that are our priorities and utilizing those priorities somehow design our routine our weekdays our weekends and maybe in that way if we achieve a more like a new normal balance it would help us to resolve some of the problems that we are facing in our lives nowadays yeah i couldn't agree with you more Bilal, because values will help us understand our priorities priorities are actually really the values goals and priorities are really the solution to helping you find clarity and balance. And once you have those priorities and you put them in order, then you can actually use that in your, in your time management. Um, this works for business. You can be more productive when you're actually doing those highest priorities. In fact, a lot of times what I do is I help business owners to find out what their highest priorities are and I call it their sweet spot. I find those five or six things that are really, really important to them and we help them to uh, do that more. That truly is the definition of productivity. And that's really what is where, you know, the rubber meets the road for balance. Now we can talk about priorities. We can, you know, create a plan and we can, um, you know, dream and, and have these great goals. And that's good. We need to start there. But without actually developing a productivity plan with a time management system, 
that it, it's not really going to work. It's, the rubber won't ever meet the road. And so you never put into play what it is you're dreaming about. So in your experiences uh, that you have discussed with your clients or what came across your academic research, what are some of your, uh, like uh, the people that you meet, if you want to share some of the stories around them and what have been some of your key learning around work-life balance and why people want to achieve that balance. Like whenever we do something in our life, there is a purpose for that. Like, let's say I have a perfect balance today. What would be something extra that I want to do? So what have been those findings for you, Travis? Really great question, Bilal. I think one of the biggest things that I find with people is that their sense of freedom, their sense of being able to do the things they want to do when they want to do them. This is the ultimate um, ability as an entrepreneur, right? We get into business because we're excited. We want to uh, help other people with a product or service that we provide. And also we want a lifestyle of flexibility, but that ends up being sometimes a two-edged sword where the flexibility is phenomenal, but it's also something that can bite them if they're, if they're just not focused and they're not productive and they're not dedicated and, and, and really um, just can hone in on what it is that they need to be doing all the time. I think that's where a lot of business owners struggle is that they, they really want that freedom and personal ability but then they also lack that ability, that self-control to be able to actually put that into place. So I found in my interviews and my research that a lot of these entrepreneurs are coming to me and, and they really are asking me, Travis, I really want this. I want this personal peace and freedom. And here's what I'm doing. And we can see that they're incongruent, yet that's, that's causing them stress. And so most are trying to get rid of that stress and they're not doing it in necessarily healthy ways. <laughs> As you can imagine, entrepreneurs tend to be, if they're not careful, this can bleed into their mental health, their physical health, the quality of their relationships, and even their personal finances, sometimes overfunding the business personally, right? With their own personal finances, putting themselves on the line as they're starting a business that, that could cripple them. Uh, bankruptcy is high among you know business owners and start you know entrepreneurs who are starting their own company. Um, relationships, they're not careful. They can erode those relationships. Honey, I'll be home. Honey, I'll be home, and they're burning the midnight oil every single night. Right? You don't have a relationship if you don't spend time together. It, it that doesn't take a PhD in family relations to tell you that, um, but I just did. And uh, you know the the idea of physical and mental health it tends to be neglected as an entrepreneur. If we don't take care of ourselves, who who's going to do that? How can we lead a company? How can we go forward as an entrepreneur and have this vision if we're not taking care of ourselves? And I think that is those are the piece, pieces that on the productivity side. We can do better. Most entrepreneurs that come to me, they're working 70, 65, 70 hours a week on average. Okay. And that's pretty consistent with the research I've seen. Uh, business owners are working about 72 hours a week, but they want to be working 41. <laughs> and they, they just can't figure it out. In fact, many of them tell me, you know, Travis, I, I think I'm actually working about 50. I go, okay, that's great. And as I walk through and, and I, I do a strategy session, session with them, I typically find they're 20 to 30% off um, every time, every time. Um, they, in their mind, they think they're working 50, but they're really working 65 to 70. And so that's that incongruency below that's creating stress because they're good people wanting to do good things and they're letting overworking, they're letting their business take over their life. Yes, Travis, and I really like that uh, analogy around family, around work. And if you want to relate them to, because we're continuing on an entrepreneur, so an entrepreneur is working for, let's say, 70 hours or even 50 hours, let's say, just continue that example of 50 hours per week. But after completing that work, those 50 hours, like if you are with family, if you are doing your dinner, 
or you're watching television or even going to the bed but if your mind is still on that work okay this is what i need to do tomorrow if you are still thinking then you're not working but you are still not totally focused on what other things you're doing in your life and that will affect the productivity in those areas so let's connect the dots now to see how achieving balance contributes towards the overall productivity in different aspects of our lives and how does balance in life helps a person achieve mental wellness and inner peace i think i think you just answered the question uh, bilal i think that's exactly what it does do is that when we have balance when we are um essentially um in achieving balance, when we're able to use that energy toward our values and our priorities, when we're able to actually do the things that we say we're going to do and really be that person who we know we need to be, when we step up and do that, then I think that's, that's where achieving balance really does help us to have the inner peace. It helps us to achieve those goals. So that stress, it, um, psychologists call it um, cognitive dissonance cognitive meaning mental dissonance meaning actual distance it's when we have two competing thoughts or more at the same time and we've always heard that term in marketing a confused mind says no right when you walk into a restaurant and there's too many choices what do we do we get overwhelmed we're like waiter or waitress tell us what to buy like what's good we want people to narrow it down we want to have choices uh, but when we are working and we're burning the midnight oil every single night getting up and just working 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 yet we profess to be somebody who cares about our physical health and wants to be healthy um, but doesn't work out and we want to be spiritually close to god but we don't do anything about it um, except for maybe you know a desperate plea once in a while um, or we want to spend time with our family but we can't ever go on vacation and we can't, even when we do go on vacation, we can't stop taking our devices around with us and checking our email and text messages and social media. Like if we don't do those things, if we can't separate and truly be who we say we're going to be, then that is where we lose the mental health. But when we can, when we align with those principles, with our priorities and values, that's when the inner peace comes. That's when we feel that feeling of, Yes, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to do it. And you feel it in your business. You'll feel it at home. And when you have those two together, you're actually a better business owner. You're a better entrepreneur because you get the payoff. The other day, I'll tell a quick story and even, you know, maybe even use an example as you've asked. Uh, my wife and I were on vacation. We took a getaway because we tried to do that a few times a year, get away from from all of the chaos that is home, but we love our chaos. It's, it's organized. We love our, our six children, but we need to get away. And when we got away, we decided we were going to go on this horseback ride. It was beautiful. It was the morning time, um, South Padre Island in Texas. And I got to take the horse through the water, got to ride next to my wife. Like it was beautiful. It was, it was pretty phenomenal. I've never done that. But when we got back, I noticed the horse was, was thirsty. And the horses moved faster on the way back than they did on the way out because they knew like, I got to get, I'm going to get food. I'm going to get water. But when we got back, there was no water for the horse. And I was really concerned because I've been telling my horse, oh, we're going to get you, you're, you're, you're going to get, you know, we're going to get back. And, you know, the owners, unfortunately, they didn't, they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. We'll get him some later. I'm like, no, you need to reward him now. <laughs> and I think this actually affects uh, and it can um, apply to us as business owners. If we are constantly going, going, going and working, 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 and then never take a break, never get rewarded for the things that we do in the way that we want, then we'll constantly drain and eventually we'll die. We'll die spiritually, we'll die um, physically, prematurely. We will die in our relationships. Our financial, um, you know, roads will dry up. And unfortunately, Bilal, this is where I find a lot of business owners kind of at the end of the road with all of this steam 
and and uh, and worked so hard, and really they don't have any water. So um, some of the some of the examples I think mentioned, there was a financial advisor. Uh, he and his wife were phenomenal people, and uh, he knew that he needed to really get a hold of his time. And so I worked with him and found the things that really mattered to him. One of the things that really mattered to him was going on vacation to Hawaii with his wife when he achieved his goals that his company set. Uh, but for many years, she was actually unable to go. She was unable to go because there were some fears and things that were keeping her from leaving home. Um, they were pretty deep. And I talk about them in, um, in another uh, episode of my uh, Make Time Moments on my website. And it was a, actually a phobia. We found out she was afraid of flying. She was afraid of leaving her children. And they never left each other for like 12 years of marriage. So I had to dig deep with the two of them and really get at these values that they both shared. She wanted to go. He wanted to leave. But his productivity at work was actually affected uh, and, and detrimentally affected because he wasn't able to go with him on these trips. And because he wasn't able to go, he was kind of stifled in his production. But once we were able to work through that and she was able to actually get on an airplane and go with him to Hawaii for the first time in their marriage, um, he came back and he said, Travis, everything we've done, all of our work together, uh, totally worth it. The entire, all the, the cost. That trip alone, that relationship change with my wife and I being able to be alone and have time together was worth every penny. Really nice stories, Tra uh, Travis. And I found two very interesting points. The number one was around rewards. And the second one you mentioned around phobia. So if you take the first one around rewards, an entrepreneur who is building a company and when they hire their employees, appreciation and rewards become extremely important. It is, uh, yes, money matters, but beyond that appreciation would take the company, take their employers to bring more value to them. But, and if you take a step back to the owner, to the business owner, if you're not taking breaks after a positive experience or a negative experience, and if you're not taking pauses, that means you are not reflecting on them. And if you don't reflect, that would mean that there are no learning out of it. You are just staying in your same routine and you're not getting anything out of it. That was a very interesting point you made. And regarding phobias, so let's link phobias to some sort of mental wellness. We all have certain things that happened in our life in the past and they do uh, kind of stop us from taking that next step. Maybe somebody has the fear of public speaking. I mean, they might have great content. They might have great lectures that can bring a lot of value to the people out there, but they are afraid to take that next step. It could be past disappointments or any fear of failure. So what recommendation would you give to those individuals who are kind of have that energy to take the next step, but somehow they are still stuck in their positions? What a great question. Fears are huge. Uh, they can be huge. And I find that most people that I interview have them. Um, we all do. In fact, I feared this book for a very long time. I wanted to write it. I've been wanting to write this for about 13 years. 2007, I said, I told my coach, I said, I'm going to write a book. He's like, that's great. About what? <laughs> I said, you know, about work-life balance, you know, I, I'm, that's what I teach. I want to help people. I want to help their families. I want to help them with their finances. And I outlined the entire book. The other day, I was combing through some of my files on my computer, on my external hard drive, looking for some other files. And I came across this outline. I'm like, guys, look, look, look. You have to believe me. Here's my book outline. It was from 2007 or eight or something. I can't remember. And I'm like, this is it. This is my book. I had a different title, and, but very similar content. And that was before I did my master's and PhD and had been able to test things and have all this experience with couples. So I don't think it was the right time. But I think a lot of people uh, put these things out here of like, I can't public speak. I can't write a book. I, I can't start a business. Um, or I, I'm trapped in a, in a job that I don't like and I, I can't leave. 
I think our fears get the better of us. I came from a family who not a single soul in our direct lineage has ever actually graduated a four-year university. And I, I'm not privileged in that sense that, uh, you know, we had great wealth or money or I didn't have scholarships. I wasn't exceptionally bright. I'm an average kid. I, I like to play sports. Um, I didn't get any, you know, headway that way. I transferred into a four-year university and I thought, well, well, maybe they'll let me come for a semester. I let my fears get the better of me. I didn't know what I didn't know until I got there, until I realized, wow, I got in. And once I got in, I was like, oh, I better graduate. <laughs> and then I graduated. And then when I was the first person in my family to graduate and it was on that stage, my brother graduated, my other brother graduated. I, I had other siblings that began college. and. Um, it's, it started off this path to realize I just had to be the trailblazer. I had to be the one to get over my fear of doing something that nobody else has and get it done. Same thing with my master's and PhD. I'm not that good at writing. So I felt like, oh my goodness, academic writing, that's even worse than, you know, writing a blog or doing other things. And so I really had to get over my fears of those things and move forward. But when you can look at your fears, there's really, there's really two kinds of fears. There is really a fear of success and a fear of failure. Um, the, these are the branches of the fear tree, okay? And the fear of success is simply, and this is very simplistic, but it is simply, I'm afraid that if I'm really successful at something, that um, what people will say about me, um, what that will uh, set me up to do, you know, what I might um, have to become. And a lot of people who deal with money know this financial advisors others know that when they are having a you know they're helping a client who's really wealthy this idea of more money more problems right well that might actually prevent people from seeking the wealth that they could possibly achieve okay um, on the other end of the fear tree is the fear of failure and quite honestly this is one where I believe most people have about 80% of the time, this is the one that I see. Fear of failure is, well, if I do something, I might not get what I was hoping for. I'm, it might be worse. It might be uh, worse off if I even try. And I've failed at other things in the past. So why try? Most people do not set goals because of this reason. They're afraid to tell the world, I'm going to do something and then fail at it. Um, I was a track, uh, not star, but an athlete um, in high school, and I did pole vault. Pole vault is incredibly technical. I was running around the track, and my coach was like, yeah, you're okay at the 440, but you're not, <laughs> let's be honest, you're five foot ten. you're not that fast, you should be doing something else, but you're athletic and you're quick, try pole vaulting. And I watched it the first day. And the first day I tried it, I cleared five feet. And I thought, okay, maybe I could do this. But the, the crazy thing about pole vaulting, Bilal, is you have to take this big, long pole. It's like 12 feet, fiberglass. You have to count your steps backwards. And then you actually have to pace yourself and run and run and sprint and run with this pole. And you have to find out how many steps exactly does it take to get to the box. Then you need to lower the pole, drop it in and let it slide. And it'll hit the other end of the box, which brings the pole up and it bends naturally because of the force. And you actually don't just sit there and wait. You actually jump with the pole at the right time. If you jump before, you fall on your back. If you jump afterward, you kind of get pulled and, and get kind of funny in the air. But then you've got to jump up and go upside down. And the only way you get over those high heights is when your feet are above your head. Once your feet are above your head and you are um, perpendicular and you're parallel with the bar that you're now holding upside down, that's when you twist your body in a 180. And once you twist it into a 180, you have to simultaneously throw the pole away. You throw it away from your body and then you try to land on your back softly in a nice little pad. Talk about fear of failure. I watched people try that over and over again. And even, you know, even at the, 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 the state finals at the end of that year, of which I 
I placed like sixth or something in my very first, you know, sophomore try. And um, the, I saw a guy who was better than me and he was going up at higher heights. He was hitting the standards. And one time he even fell off and didn't even hit the pad. Um, like it's, it's kind of a crazy little sport. And I know there's other sports out there that are, are probably more dangerous, but this one is all about your mind. It's all about your mental capacity. And I knew that if I could get over my fear of doing this, I could do anything. And I think that's where we need to get. We need to realize what are our fears? Is it fear of success? Are we afraid of being successful? That's going to hold you back. Are you afraid of failing at something? If you are, that's going to help. That's going to prevent you from ever even trying. And somewhere along the way, you need a coach. You need some help. You need someone that can point these things out to you. Because as I was doing this as a pole vaulter, I had a great coach who was like, Travis, you're doing this wrong. You got to fix this technique. You're doing great here. Keep working at that. Get faster on your sprint. Jump higher. Focus on these things. And as I did that, I was able to get better and better and better. And eventually, I got over my fear completely. Um, I didn't keep going with it. I ended up going with another sport. And part of me wishes I would have kept going to see how, how I could have done as I got stronger and bigger and faster. Um, but you know, as a 14 year old kid, I did pretty good. And I, I think that carries me through a lot of my life and has allowed me to come out and say, guys, I'm doing a PhD. Yeah. You know me, I'm the guy that barely got to be in English class. I'm doing a PhD. Oh, and by the way, I'm starting a business. Yeah. Pretty much right when the economy is going to the tank. Oh, and yes, I'm writing a book on work-life balance. Um, and I'm interviewing people and I'm starting a podcast, like all of these things that, most others, I think, just um, fight, flight, or freeze because they're afraid. Um, I've had to learn to get through, and I've paid a hefty price, lots of coaching, lots of mentors, and uh, it's not something that I've necessarily done on my own. But I think once we do get through those, Bilal, um, there, there is no ceiling. You can become who you really want to become. You can have those values, a reality and you can reach your goals. Yeah, very interesting story around pole vaulting, Travis. And um, it's a wonderful sport to see on television, but uh, something uh, you should give it a try, but it's not something that you should just wake up on the morning and say, okay, today I'm pole vaulting. And that right. is it. <laughs> yeah. And that is where I would relate it more to the mindset, whether it's a fear of success, whether it's fear of failure, anything else, it comes from your mind. And if your mind is positive, if your mind knows that I can do pole vaulting, so it would be like, even if I haven't done it anyways, I, my mind would be thinking, okay, so what problems can happen? What are the positives? What I can do now? What I need to learn? And when you say what I need to learn, it really matters from whom you learn. And that is where you need to have a coach. You can't have uh, what you can say, a life coach training you for pole vaulting. It would be a pole vault expert that does that particular training. And that comes to our point around personal development. We all want to develop ourselves personally, whether it be our public speaking skills, leadership, any type of sports that we are interested in. However, we always wait for our perfect time. We might be busy in our full-time job. We might be busy in education. So work-life balance won't happen overnight. So how can we make personal growth a priority during such uh, hectic days that are happening even today? Fantastic question, Bilal. There's never a perfect time to get started. It just so happens that uh, with sports, you have a season. And they say, this is the season. This is when games start. This is when matches begin. This is when meets happen. And you don't really have much of a choice uh, other than I'm going to be a part or I'm not going to be a part. And you go out and try to make the team and then you can compete, right? Well, seasons uh, in life, I believe that there are, are really, in time management, there are really two big things. There's times and there's seasons. Seasons might be seasons of your life. They also might just be corresponding with as the seasons change in business, quarter one, two, three, and four, right? How you break that up. What, what are your goals? What are your ambitions for those, those time periods? 
And then there's times in your life. And there might just be that, you know, at this time in my life, um, which it might be a shorter period um, for this month or whatever, I'm going to really focus here. So I believe in times and seasons. And it kind of goes back to the sports analogy of, you know, we're, we need to understand what seasons we're in. Um, some people, they're not ready because they're still afraid. They're afraid to get started, period. And they'll probably never be ready until something really big happens in their life, something really detrimental. I've studied human development and change, and most people don't just change because they wake up one morning and think, I'd like to do this. No, most people change because they've had a bad experience and they're fed up and they want to see something else, okay? Um, most people are like, man, you know, this, the fast food is finally getting to me. I, I'm having a hard time going up the stairs, so I'm going to go on a diet, right? That's, that's, how, that's how we do it. I've studied smoking cessation and found that there are different stages of change. And human developmentalists will talk about change. And they'll talk about the awareness and then being ready to start changing. And then the process of starting to change and taking action. And then to the point of, well, I've taken action, I've, I've completed this, and then possible either relapse or finish. And that, that is pretty customary. You can find that in most academic journals, the stages of change. That, that's, that's very you know, analyzed, five or six different stages, depending on how you look at it. However, as I was coaching a lot of clients, I found that there's this industry of personal development, this billion-dollar industry, and you know, multiple million billion-dollar industry of personal development that has kind of creeped in and created, if we're not careful, a reliance upon the coach. So as a pole vaulter, if I had to ask my coach everything all the time, every day, um, he, he would have gone crazy and he would probably say, Travis, I don't, I don't want to work with you anymore. <laughs> but I think that as coaches, we need to be careful that we don't create a reliance um, on ourselves for individuals who needing help. I personally started there and realized that as I was coaching some people and it was even selling coaching for other companies, that these people would come back. Um, and the ones who I would constantly be talking to had um, broken marriages, no relationship at all, or um, you know, a really struggling marriage or relationship. Um, so there was, there was this theory that I started to think about and I wondered, I wondered if fixing a marriage would actually help people in their personal development. Personal development, you know, could be a lot of different areas. People call them life coaching, et cetera. But what does that really mean? Um, so as I was looking into all this, that's when I started my PhD experience. And I developed a theory called couple development. Personal development, again, is coach one-on-one -on -one to an individual. And a lot of times a business owner who sees that as professional development. It's personal, but it's professional. And it'll help them in their business, which is true. But as I was doing that, again, I, I noticed that people would come back. But I also, as I was implementing solutions, especially time management solutions, I found 90 days later, as I would come back and follow up with people, that they often had fallen back into the same habits. They were now that overworking person that 90 days ago after we came in and did a, oh, a huge boot camp style training for two days and got them on the right path, that they were still struggling. And even those who were in ongoing coaching individually could kind of reach a max as far as what they improved upon. So I saw these two things happen. I realized, yes, we need coaching, but is this lifelong personal development coaching really what we need? Therapy, unfortunately, I have found um, creates a reliance if we're not careful. And you therapists out there that are doing a great job know that you know, you can be a therapist to somebody forever and it helps your pocketbook, but I don't think it really truly helps most clients. Maybe some need it, but most, especially married clients, don't. So as I began to understand this and test my theory and learn more about relationships, I created this couple development theory, which is essentially you teach the couple how to be each other's coach. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. 
what this means is that you have such a good relationship. You know, there's, there's relationships that are toxic, that are bad, that need therapy. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about fixing broken marriages or big, fixing couples that, you know, can't communicate um, because they, they, they hate each other. That's not it. I'm talking about the majority of relationships that are good, that are happy, that are healthy, but that aren't really taking that relationship to the next level. The next level is really becoming each other's accountability, um, personal development coach. So imagine instead of having somebody that you pay the rest of your life, that you and your spouse, dedicated to each other, to your marriage, are able to then move forward and help each other achieve goals. In my opinion, um, I found this uh, to, to be true personally. And I found this in my couple clients as I began to test it. And then when I did my dissertation work and my PhD experience at Utah State University, I found that the research supported it. That when couples have the same values and goals, that they actually are able to be happier individually. They are better off in their relationship and oftentimes are able to achieve financial goals far better than those who are not but that are maybe even happily married. Does that make sense, Bilal? Do you see, kind of follow that? No, I really enjoyed that example and I have a few thoughts around that too. And yes, like talking about successful relationship and then living your life have, uh, like happily and you're living a normal life, things are good. And I mean, the life will be spent in that scenario even. Like if you're well connected, if there's a good positive relationship, and you can't make a significant impact, yet you are capable of, then that is where your theory really works. And asking the right question. So usually when I research coaching and mentoring, sometimes people kind of think they, those are the same thing. In mentoring, it is more about giving advice. And the coach is someone who would ask those powerful questions that would initiate a thought in your mind. And then when you have someone that close who can help you and not only held you accountable to your goals. So if you promise someone that I'm working on this personal development plan for the next one week, then who is going to ask about that? And attending uh, a lot of trainings, like one day event can really motivate you. Maybe uh, like a retreat event for five days, seven days can create even more energy in you. But if you don't take those intentional steps afterward, it won't lead anywhere. And that is totally applicable to the fact that uh, sometimes people have great plans, but they don't follow it through. And then at the end of the day, they are still where they are. And you mentioned about families, you mentioned about business owners. Let's shift our focus a bit towards recent graduates who have graduated out of university and they have a job so they're focusing on their work usually you have to give long hours you need to do accreditations you need to pass some exam to become more successful in the job that you're doing so how can those individual prioritize personal growth or what are some of the ways to take out time for personal development great question Bilal uh, harkening back to this theory of couple development, if they're married, you know, they are going to have built in accountability. And that's what I do is I actually coach couples on how to have that accountability and how to help each other. Um, I harken back to the days where my wife and I, we were newly wed. We both were finishing our degrees and we managed to, to be able to have two children in that time period. We graduated with a, a, a two-year-old and a, a newborn and, um, you know, we were on stage together, graduating at the same time. It was fantastic. Uh, but what, what we need to do and what a lot of people need to do is when they graduate and get started, realize the work world is not academia. <laughs> academia, I think, sometimes gives us um, too, too much of a leeway. Um, to maybe rewrite things or, or try again or, um, you know, complacency. And it, it, uh, you need to show up and be there. I've taught in the university setting and it was fulfilling because I like to teach. 
but most students don't show up ready to go. They don't show up ready to shine. Um, and there's going to be things that you don't like to do at work that you're going to need to show up and shine. You're going to need to show up and do well um, so that you can make it. You know, getting, you know, accreditations, certifications, additional, you know, continuing education is really important. As soon as I was done with my four-year, uh, you know, experience, I started right out the gate on my CFP so that I could have a designation that was recognized in the industry. And I was working on that until I shifted gears. But um, what I did learn through the academic experience is that I, I needed to have set time. I needed to set time to study, go to class, and come home. The same applies. Just because now you're working and you're earning a living, are you now a slave to that job? Do they control you? Are you acting as though they run your life because they, you sign your paycheck at first? Um, that, that's a totally different story. In my opinion, I'm, I'm of Brian Tracy's opinion and, and many others. It doesn't matter who signs your paycheck. You, you need to pretend that you're always the one signing your paycheck because you work for you. I've held that uh, opinion and that's really helped me to, to move forward as I've worked for other people. And as when I started my own business, um, I kept hours that were legitimate. Um, I work less than 35 hours a week now, Bilal. And I can tell you, when I started as a financial advisor, the story was work hard for five years and then you'll be fine forever. And you're going to have to work nights and weekends and you're going to have to kill it. And I said, nah, that's not my value system. It's not what I want to do. And so I created my own calendar and schedule and I worked it. And because I was productive during that time, there was no complaints. Um, when I got into academia, it's the um, publisher parish. And so, yeah, you teach classes, but it's almost like they want you to always be publishing. And uh, until you get tenure, you shouldn't breathe, right? Well, that is not an environment that most people are going to thrive. And so whether you're starting at a corporation, you're starting in the legal field, financial planning, starting your own business, be realistic. Be realistic. Be productive in the time that you have at work and then enjoy take off, have those boundaries in place so that you can relax, be with your family, do the things that you know you need to be doing, those priorities. Otherwise, working is just working for the man. Even if you run your own business, you're just you know, working for your clients, which is important, but more important than helping your own, not so much. Um, that's where I think that's the disconnect in the world today. In the overworked world that we live in, um, Bilal, I, it's, it's, uh, it's this culture, this workaholic culture has really caused more damage than good. Um, and I see it in America. I've seen it in Asian countries and all over the world, even in my beloved Denmark, where I've got family and friends. Um, there's this idea that um, if we work more, we'll get more. And, and, uh, and the getting along that path might bring us away from our internal values, our principles, and our priorities. And that, again, creates more stress. So set boundaries now. Get used to that, and you'll be on a good path. No, what, no matter what industry that you go into or what business you start, I think that's, that would be my advice to those individuals. And um, you know, if you are married, have really good communication and establish accountability with each other and boundaries with each other so that there are clear expectations. Very well said, Travis. And then to just to continue from your point around relaxing, around setting boundaries. So it really matters that at the end of the day, you have fun, you enjoy what you are doing. What, uh, are your hobbies? What do you do in your free time? And any fun fact that you would like to share with your audience and my audience who, about Travis, something funny about Travis. Thanks, Paul. Um, you know, I, I'll start with the hobby. I think the, the one that I like to do the most is mountain biking. And uh, that's, that's, that's it. I have a goal this year to be in three mountain bike races. And that was before everything was canceled. So I might be doing those on my own and timing them and doing my own time trials. Um, 
you know, something unique about me is that uh, I, I have, I kind of expressed this, I speak Danish. I served a, a mission for my church uh, when I was 19 to 21. And I, I, I served in Denmark and I, I love that. And I have family members there. So I have this great connection um, and I've been there a couple times to visit and I really love it. Um, and I think that that is something unique. That's a language that is, it's dying. There's only, there's less than 5 million people that speak Danish uh, these days. So I think that's something unique about me. Um, I, I really enjoy at, at the end of the day, below, I just enjoy being with my family hanging out, traveling, seeing the world with them. We've got trips planned. That's what excites us. In fact, when, when all of these things happened with coronavirus this year and we had to kind of reschedule, we had to reschedule like four or five trips. We'd already planned to this point. Uh, we, should, we actually should be in Virginia this week. So, uh, no, excuse me, we should be in Illinois this week. Um, but it, it's, it's exciting for us. We enjoy the family adventures. We put hundreds of thousands of miles on our minivan and we travel across the country. You know, it's a little expensive to fly eight people all the time. But um, so, you know, we've got a great minivan, uh, but we're taking half the family to Hawaii, you know, in, in September, in the fall, if, if <laughs> cross the fingers that, that, you know, everything is allowed for interstate um, travel. Um, so yeah, that, that really excites us. Um, we have a little spot, South Padre Island, that we're going to go to this weekend to just get away, um, to just be alone, enjoy the beach. We like to camp and those things. So I think what you mentioned earlier is huge. When we can get out and get away from the business and do those things that we really enjoy doing, it allows us to not only have that reward, as we talked about that horse story, right? Have the reward, but also to be reinvigorated, re-energized. And I have an article that I share with people um, that goes along with my book that I'm, I'll, be, I'll be giving away on the 13th, um, an article about how you can do that, how you can delegate, how you can get away on more vacations. So I, I think that's really important and powerful for, for entrepreneurs out there who need to do that. They got into business to have this lifestyle, so live it and be able to separate, be able to turn off the phone, leave the laptop at home so that you can really truly enjoy that separation. Thank you so much, Travis. And it was a pleasure talking to you and learning from your experiences today. And I would just like to mention that, uh, wish you all the best for your book launch, Achieving Balance on July 13th and looking forward to reading it and learning how I can achieve work-life balance in my life. Thanks, Bilal. Yes, July 13th. If people go to my website, Travis Perry with an A, travisperry.com forward slash free book. On July 13th, I'm giving that away for, it's basically you're, you're buying it for a dollar on Amazon. And uh, that's, that's as close as I can get to giving it away, but it's just that day only. And on that day, I'm giving away three other, um, um, some bonuses below that I'm going to share with people is a masterclass, 45 minute masterclass of me sharing the principles of values, priorities, and boundaries we've been talking about in, in more depth, um, accountability, et cetera. And then I'm also giving people a training on how to control the chaos that is their email inbox. Um, in addition, I'm giving that article about how to delegate and be able to, you know, make more time to go on vacation. So they don't want to miss those. Make sure they pick up the bonuses, but travisperry.com forward slash free book, July 13th, circle your calendar. You can actually go there now and sign up for the email reminder. So if people go there, they can, they can jump on that site right now and, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll definitely remind them on that day to go get the book. So thank you everyone and I'm looking forward to having you all on the next episode of Skill Ranch Podcast.